Hi, everybody, and welcome. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion and almost every day, which is a little scary. And that (laughs) is what we love to talk about. And you can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. And you can also join our Life's Accessories Facebook group where we're talking about all our life's accessories. So we're, we're having a lot of fun there, aren't we, Rachel? So fun. So fun. Yes. Join the group. It's where the cool kids are hanging Join, out. Join, engage. Exactly. But you can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, and accessory suggestions. And if you're like what you're listening to, we'd love it for you to share the podcast with a friend, which I know people have been doing. It's so fun to hear that. It is. And also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Okay. I'm really excited for today's episode. I am too, Rachel. I mean, I'm always excited, but I'm kind I, of extra excited. How much fun are we having? Can we we're just talk so about that? Fun. I know. It's, it's so not, much fun. It's crazy. Okay. So today we're talking to <laughs> Rebecca Sofer who happens to be the co-founder of Modern Loss, among many other illustrious titles. Now, I just have to say that I actually first met Rebecca back in 2018, which is five years ago now. It's crazy. In a way, way I feel like I met her yesterday, but I feel like I've known her my whole life. Um, Mm -hmm. I was actually jaw dropped when I met her. It was at an event in New York City in person. Remember in-person events? What? Yeah. I think we're getting back to them. And it was at HBO studios. It was an event centered around the theme of motherless daughters, which I know you can relate to Stephanie. Yes, we can. We can. We're going to talk about it. Hope Edelman was there who has Mm -hmm. written um, a lot about, she's sort of like the fairy godmother of the motherless daughter community. Okay. For our listeners, don't get all bummed out. This is not going to be a sad episode. I mean, we're going to, we're going to talk about loss, but I'm going to say that at this event, I was amazed at the storytelling that Rebecca did, that Hope did, that others did mm-hmm. around the topic of loss because they were also super duper funny. Um, I love that. It's it's pretty cool. But I will yeah. say one more thing about Rebecca before we read her official bio. I could go on and on about her and I can't wait to bring her on. But um, she and I collaborated on a bunch of things. And actually, we did an in-person book event It was in January or February of 2020, right before the world shut down at Shakespeare and Company on the Upper West Side. And it was one of those nights where we were like, should we be here? You remember those? Mm, I do. I do. Yes. Yes. It was like a little weird, but we did it. Yes. Um, We did it because we didn't really know what was going on then. And she was then promoting her first book. I was promoting my book. And it was just a night that I'll never forget. And I want to get back to some of the things we talked about then, Uh, but I'll definitely, I'll let you read her bio because I could fangirl for it. Rebecca Sofer is the co-founder of Modern Loss, which offers creative, meaningful, and encouraging content and community addressing the long arc of grief. And we know it is a long one. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is also the author of the best-selling The Modern Loss Handbook, an interactive guide to moving through grief and building your resilience which Gail King named one of her two favorite books of 2022. And Rebecca is also the co-author of the book, Modern Loss, Candid Conversation About Grief, Beginner's Welcome, which the strategist named a best book on loss for a younger generation. Her writing has appeared in outlets such as the New York Times, Time, Glamour, and NBC. Rebecca is a Peabody award-winning former producer for the Colbert Report 
and a Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism alumna, which I don't know, have that in common. You I got went to the same school at different times, yes, we as did. we like to say. It's very different times. She's a little bit a few, younger than a few, us. A few years, a few yeah. years. We are excited to welcome Rebecca today and um, you know, she will bring a lot to the table and this will be really interesting to hear what accessory she has to talk about. Hi, Rebecca. Hello, Rachel. Hey, Rebecca. It's great to have you on Life's Accessories. So our burning question is, which accessory do you want to talk about today? Okay. So I actually... I mean, you know, when like you're shopping online and it's like, oh, like, okay, I need the shirt. But then you're like in the menu bar, it says like accessories, shoes. And so I actually am realizing now that I don't know if shoes fall within the accessories umbrella. I brought a pair of boots that were handmade in Italy that my mom bought in Florence sometime in the early 70s. Lavorazio. Yeah, yeah. Yep, here we go. I'm looking here. Lavorazio. uh, Are you Italian? No, but I speak Italian. Lavorazione a mano. It's just I'm not wearing my glasses by Mali. (laughs) And yeah, and they're gorgeous, like brown, knee high leather boots, which zip up in the back. And they are a strict mistress they really don't allow for any wiggle room. Like they either fit or they don't. And they were my mom's and she, they, I, I, you know, yeah, that's what I brought today. Um, okay. So they are beautiful. You're our, they look like butter. But they I literally know, they are. are like when I, I <laughs> when first I of all, they're in amazing are. condition. When I, wear them, they I bought in the seventies. Well, so yeah. they were in great, they, they were in good condition. And then what happened was the, as leather will do, it cracked around like yeah. the, the tip. And I, when she died, I found them and I was like freaking out. Cause I, you know, you basically are like, my person is like the, you know, like these things are an extension of my person. And if yes. something happens to them and I'm losing them again, um, and so I was like flipping out and then I realized that there are people who do this stuff. So I brought it to a person who does this stuff and I was like, just make it look amazing. I don't care how much it costs. Like yeah. just like put like the leather conditioner, like, and and he did the most amazing job. And then I, I'm typically someone who shies away from like wearing the nice things left behind because mm-hmm. I'm like scared to lose them or that mm-hmm. they'll be stolen, which has actually happened. And mm-hmm. with these, I was like, you know what? I, I got to wear them. I just like, I have to wear them and I know they'll get worn. I know they'll probably rip again, which they did when I was in London a couple months ago, but I'm just like, they are not meant like these boots are made for walking. Let's yes. There <laughs> I love go. that. There I think that's the title that's, of this podcast yeah, episode. So. Did your mom and you have the same boot size? I'm like almost five one and she was probably like a solid five, two and a half. And whenever someone would ask me how tall I was, I'd be like, I'm five, three. And (laughs) she would just laugh hysterically because she thought that was so funny. Or I would say five, two, I would say something that was like, so it wasn't like an overt lie. Like I really did believe that like at seven in the morning, I was probably five, two, she would have a really good laugh at it and be like, there's literally no way that you're this tall. Um, and she's like, cause I'm five too. And her shoe size, I remember she was like a 37 European. Yeah. So she was like a six and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe seven, but 
I think that when, before she had me, her, her feet must've been a little smaller because yes. she never wore these when I, when I knew her, they were always in the closet. Oh, they were always yeah. the boots that I played dress up in. So oh, wow. my feet got a little bigger after my kids were born just a little. And then like, I think they've gone down again. So anyway, after she died, I, I had all this like stress weight loss. Like it's like overnight. I lost mm. like 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like just, it, they just like disappeared from my body. And I was really emaciated. Like it was just, it was so weird. Like nothing I could eat would put on weight, which sounds like, Oh, great. But like, then it like swung the other way for a couple months. So my, you know, grief kind of took hold of my body. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try these boots on because I just wanted to feel like she was on my body. Like I literally Uh, needed to feel like a part of her was touching me because she died in a car accident, which clearly is a sudden thing. And also an incredibly traumatizing way to have somebody who gave birth to you die. Um, and so I tried these boots on and they'd always fit because I was always like seven when I tried them on, but to my delight, I, I literally, I remember sitting in her closet and it was like probably like a week or two after her funeral. And I found them and I was like, okay. Cause like, I didn't, you know, she was wearing like Chico's by then. And I'm like, not a Chico's person. So like, Chico's. I was Chico's like, I'm probably not going to be wearing the- Chico's, Chico's by, by then. then. That should be an ad. She, yeah. Like Chico's she was fine. Chico's by it's then. Fine. She was 63. Yeah. Let's be honest. That is like staunchly like, cheap, it's like, think, like right? they should just like when, instead of asking like your demographic, they should be like, you know, Chico's. are you BCBG? Are you like, you know, maybe Bash or like whatever, or Alice Olivia, right. or are you right. Chico's? So right. she yeah. was like the Chico's gem- demographic. Chico's and I by was then. already like, yeah, Chico's by then. And I was like, I'm not probably going to be wearing a lot of these things right. in the near future because right. <laughs> they're not me. But then she had all this wild stuff because she was really like a functional hippie in San Francisco in the 60s, uh-huh. lived there and worked so there. Cool. She had all this wild stuff, but that was her confidence that pulled it off. And I have never had that kind of confidence. I love the term functional hippie. She's a functional hippie. Way. Like she <laughs> always had a paycheck, but she would go hear Janis Joplin at night in the hay. I love that. And so I remember my eyes, like, I don't remember a lot from that period of time, but I remember going into the closet, seeing the boots, like looking at the Chico's offerings and being like, you know, like everything is like very packable, but like, I'm not going to wear this. And so I remember taking the boot and remembering how like her, like, I'm like, oh, they're going to be too big because her shoe size was always like a full size larger than me, or at least half a size. And I put them on and it was literally like a Cinderella moment where like, I was like, and it fit perfectly. It zipped up my calf, which her calves must've been like very skinny back in like the early seventies. And mine were like, I'm athletic and I'm always cycling. So my calves, like I have calf muscles and I was like, and they went over my calf muscle, like everything fit. And I was like, Oh my God. And I just had this moment of like feeling like the universe tossed me a bone, you know? Um, I was like, okay, I I can't believe that these fit and I get to wear them. And literally I just started wearing them. It wasn't even like, like I couldn't wear so many of her things. Like I I wanted to keep a lot of things locked away, super safe. And she didn't have that many valuables. Um, But these, I was like, I got to wear these. Like, this is like my mom being with me. And I, I mean, I even have pictures from she died um, on a labor day and I have pictures from me that Thanksgiving wearing these boots. Mm. So I just like took them out on the town 
you know, because it felt like That's I was amazing. taking That's her amazing. with me, you know, yeah. and they looked hot. They looked, yeah. they yes. were not, they weren't Chico's. Not Chico's. <laughs> they were not. They were very <laughs> like, like Italia, Firenze, you know, like Dolce Vita. I was, it was awesome. That's awesome. Love so that. first of all, one of the things we talked about offline and our listeners probably know this by now, Stephanie and I are members of the mother loss community as are you, Rebecca. And I know Rebecca, you've experienced a lot of loss at a relatively young age. Can you tell us sort of your next experience with loss and how that, I guess, sort of made you change gears? Because I know you worked as a producer at the Colbert Report. And as I tell everybody, Rebecca knows so much about grief and loss. She's so smart. She's so wise. And she's also one of the funniest people I've ever met. I can say that about Stephanie too. So why did you switch gears from Colbert to the modern loss community? Uh, So I switched gears because my mom died. That's Mm -hmm. the only reason that I work in this field. Um, I did not grow up wanting to become a therapist or a hospice worker, a social worker. Like that just wasn't my area of interest. I wanted to become a journalist and a producer um, and work on satire and thoughtful pieces that really did make a difference. I would like to think I have a, a deep well of empathy, um, but it it didn't align with like becoming a therapist and right. um, uh, or working in like the grief space, you know, but then my mom died. And then as anybody who is member of the club knows, and I think that's kind of all of us three years uh-huh. into COVID, uh-huh. you know, grief uh-huh. happens suddenly and all uh-huh. of a sudden you get it. You get why there needs to be a forum to engage with the theme whenever you need to. And you get why there needs to be a forum outside of like your therapist's office or like religious circle or you know, just like a hushed conversation with like somebody who feels safe, which is mostly what we have, right? It's not normally like we can talk about it to everybody in our lives. And so modern loss really came out of my experience um, being 30, working full time, suddenly having a dead mom, trying to navigate build mode and loss mode, trying to figure out how I was going to build a life without her in it to cheerlead Mm. me, to support Mm me. Mm Mm-hmm. To, to be there for me, to enjoy whatever good might come. Um, but I didn't want it to be like the Rebecca therapy project, right? Like in my right. mind, I was like, okay, um, I see. Like there's there's a white space for this conversation that needs to happen in a way that's like casual and about storytelling and has humor in it and dark, you know, like levity and isn't couched in platitudes and lame, you know, stuff. But I, again, didn't want it to be about me. I was like, you know, something should exist like this, but you know, I'm in deep grief and I also have a crazy full-time job. So whatever. And then four years later, my dad died from a heart attack. And so I was 34. Wow. I had gone from one dead parent to two dead parents. I didn't have kids yet. And I was just like, this is insane how does anyone do this? Like this existential crisis of having nothing before and nothing after. I felt very untethered from my reality and from my foundation. And that's when I was like, I don't know anyone. Like I knew maybe a couple people with like a dead parent when Mm -hmm. my mom died, 
I didn't know anybody with two dead parents at right. the age of 34. I just didn't happen to know anyone. And so that's when I was like, okay, I, I really have to do this. But then I even waited a few years from then. My dad died in 2010 and Modern Loss was launched November 2013 because I really wanted it to be something that was something that I could do uh you know like I was a member of the club so I understood the content but it wasn't about me or like you know my healing or you know it wasn't like the Julie and Julia blog it was about everybody else tell us more about the modern loss communities what's there for people to help sort of navigate the long arc of grief. So the Modern Loss community is first and foremost, it's an online publication, Mm modernloss.com. We have thousands of pieces that are mostly first person written that are narrowly focused around one aspect of the long arc of a loss experience. And I'm not talking about like, you know, my mom died yesterday and I'm in deep grief. And this is a blog post. This is like a very highly edited, carefully published magazine where we can only take a very small percentage of the pitches that come our way because it has to be high quality and everything is free for everyone. So we can only work so much on it. And, you know, we talk about sex and finance and body issues and dreams and identity and parenting and, you know, if onlys and the taboo stuff like jealousy and anger and infidelity and all of the things that stem from loss because grief is all. And the goal of modern loss is to show that it is an all-encompassing thing that will touch every facet of your life forevermore in some way, even if you don't realize it. And we're trying to, by extension, help other people to realize what it feels like to live with loss, that it's not just that first year, it's every Uh, year. And we, so it's like, we want people to have a platform to share their story because I'm a big believer that storytelling is a change agent. If you feel like you could share your story in a safe and a story that like is kind of something that is stigmatized in our culture, which still is grief because we just don't want to hear about it, you know, then you kind of realize that you can tell your story to people around you. Like you're not going to die. The worst has already happened, right? Right, right, Like you should feel like you already have that power in you to share your story, to stand up for yourself, to draw your boundaries. This is supposed to be like a little inkling of what it feels like to stand in your narrative instead of letting others tell you what it is. So that the modern loss is for those people. Then by extension, it's for the people who read those pieces and feel less alone in what they're going through. And then by extension, extension, I guess it's just for everybody. It's like a humans of New York. It's, it's, yeah. it is, lifestyle it is. Reading, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, Absolutely. and so, and it's to make people realize humans that a, wow, like this is really good writing, a really good story, but B, um, oh, this is what it's like to to have this happen, maybe I'm going to be a little different towards my friend who's going through something hard or something like that. So it's a Um, three-pronged goal, you know, maybe I'll be okay. Right. I mean, I remember on the, on the year anniversary of my mother's passing, looking in the mirror saying, oh my God, I'm still alive because I literally thought I was going to drop dead. I mean, I I was right. Because you're like, how do you go on? This is like my person, but that experience, that grief has evolved over the past couple of years. And you're right. It doesn't go away and you experience it differently with every passage of time. And then of course you have those days of like, uh Oh, right. Like, like it all comes back and you're sort of feeling like how you did the day, the day, the person you love passed. Right. It hits you 
in expected ways and in expected times. And then it totally sneak attacks you Mm -hmm. and you just don't really have any control over that. You don't, and not even 10, 15 years down the line, do you have any control over when the waves come, but what you do have control over is how you respond to them. Um, And I'm not saying that they shouldn't feel hard or sad. I'm I'm not saying that. I'm not like a Pollyanna, yeah. like it's all good, you know, because it's right. not. It's shitty right. and it's unfair. I'm sorry. <laughs> like what happened to you sucks. But you have control over how you resource yourself and get to a point where you feel like you can give yourself what you need when those waves do crash into you. Mm-hmm. Because what you need probably changes every time. I just want to say two things on that. First of all, our, we're going to link to the Modern Loss um, website on our show notes and everybody should go check it out because you beautifully described it. I've been a member of the community and a reader and actually been so honored to be a writer. I so loved working on my pieces for you. I remember I wrote a piece, I would think it was 10 years after my mom died about how I went back to see my first Broadway show 10 years after she died. And it was the Mm. show Beautiful. It was one of the things we did. And I didn't realize until I went to see the show and I wrote the piece that the reason I avoided the theater for 10 years was because of my mother. And I cried in the theater because Beautiful is a beautiful show, but I cried for a million other reasons. And it was so cathartic for me to write that piece and to hear people's responses. So that's just an example. It's not like you said about, oh, my mom died yesterday. Some of it is very funny and some of it is about stuff you would never think about that relates to grief. And along those lines, I feel like this is the Rachel Stephanie therapy session, but (laughs) I had an experience this fall where my mom had been gone for 18 years, which is the Mm. same age as my son this past Mm. fall. And he went away to college and it's the normal, oh, I'm going to miss my kid. But I could not stop crying because it was about my mom, because Mm -hmm. I had somehow raised a human being to be an adult, quote adult, he's not really Mm -hmm. an adult, but -hmm. to leave the house and she knew nothing of it. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it just hit me hard. So I'm not kidding that I went back to the Mm -hmm. Modern Loss Handbook, which is your second book, which came out last year. And it's Mm -hmm. an interactive guide. And I actually like did the work of it. Um, Good. So can you tell... um, our listeners about the handbook and also how Gail King described it. What was it? Her, one of her top two books of the year. Uh, yeah. I mean, hello. 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the modern loss handbook and the full title is the modern loss handbook, an interactive guide to moving through grief and building your resilience. It's my second book. I co-authored the first one, which came out exactly four years ago this week with wow. my, my co-founder, Gabby Berkner, which is more a collection of essays. This is all you know, this is all nonfiction. It's more of like, I don't want to call it a guidebook because it's really like a choose your own adventure. And it's kind of Mm -hmm. like, you know, there are no, I'm not prescribing to you how to do grief. What I am showing you are all of the ways that I have learned personally and from the many amazing and varied professionals I have worked with through modern loss, like art therapists, trauma therapists, you know, sleep uh, experts, mindfulness people, all these awesome people people and from the modern loss community who have taught me exponentially more than I could have ever learned from my own experience. What I am trying to share with you in between two covers are all of these ways that I have learned how you can try to stay connected to your person, stay connected to yourself and stay connected to the world around you after a loss and through the arc of it, because 
those are the three goals. Like, and I, I think it just kind of hit me during COVID that it's like, you know, when you have your community taken away from you, which we all did in COVID, mm-hmm. regardless of how many Zoom happy hours we were on, it was bullshit. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> it was awful. And that removal of that X factor of that in-person, you know, presence was very destructive. You know, when you have a sudden loss of the coping mechanisms you developed, or when you feel like you're disconnected from your person's memory, or when you feel like everything is falling by the wayside and you are losing yourself, like you can't, you're getting Mm -hmm. awful sleep and your body's going haywire, all these things. You're not handling grief and loss well. Um, You need to figure out how to do those three things. Right. Because when you do, and it's always like a bad, you're never like, oh, I'm doing them perfectly. Like there's no way. But like, if you're trying to, and you find little ways that help you in those three goals, that's when you really, I do believe, um, start to feel like you can maybe somehow do this thing and you're going to do it in a wonky way. And it's going to be bullshit still. And you're going to wish that your person were there instead of having to do this work, but it is what it is. And that was a hard lesson for me. And so what choice do you have, but to level up for yourself? And this book gives you ways to do that, but not one of those things do I ever say is the way. I don't believe in that. I don't believe in like the term grief recovery. I don't believe in the phrase getting over it. I don't, I believe in like, Hey, try this. Maybe it'll work. Exactly. If it doesn't, maybe try it again in another situation because it might work then or down the line, or maybe it will work and something else will work, you know, but yeah. it's really just like a toolbox that you're meant to fill for yourself. And it's something that you're meant to have agency over and not really rely on like standing on ceremony and waiting for other people to show up for you because right. as, you know, unfair as it is, that's not the way that it goes unfortunately. So we're told laughter is the best medicine, right? You were a producer on the Stephen Colbert report and um, curious about how humor works hand in hand with this really sad, heavy stuff. Well, I mean, I think humor is, you know, like life is messy and death is messy and when mess is funny. Because sometimes you have to laugh at it because we're all in this mess. I mean, and and not a hot mess, right? Like we're all in it together. And if you can connect with each other through the mess, that's like a common denominator that we all have, right? Like we don't all believe in the same politics. We don't all believe, you know, the same stuff about like gun control or, you know, reproductive rights, which is total shame because people should have reproductive rights. Um, Sorry. But I I love, I love when, I love when Joan Rivers would make a joke and she'd say too soon. Right. Because it would just kind of like, I don't think it's ever too soon. You know, like I I just don't, I get asked a lot, like, when is it okay to laugh? And I'm like, dude, First of all, like, I'm not the queen arbiter of like when it's okay to do anything in grief. Like no one has assigned me the Emily Post role of, you know, decorum in grief. I think that if it feels good to you and it's not hurting yourself or anybody else, do it. Who cares, right? If it feels good to you to go on a couple of dates five months after your boyfriend dies, if that's what you need and you're not hurting yourself or anyone else, don't listen to what anyone else is telling you. If, yep. if you need to, at your mom, Shiva, make a really darkly humorous joke <laughs> about like how she looked in the coffin, yeah. if that's going to give you a release, 
do it because like, yeah. you got it, you're on spilkas with this stuff and you got to like, kind of let go of it a little bit. And, um, chances are it's going to lighten up some other people and right. you're going to connect over it. So, uh-huh. you know, I think grief and humor, I mean, <laughs> I think that they're, they're eternally linked. This is, I guess, related to the humor and also going back to like the stuff we hold on to. Uh, Rebecca and I did an in-person book event in the winter of 2020, right before COVID on the Upper West Side of New York City, when we were kind of like, should we be here? I don't really understand what's happening. <laughs> um, and we um, also did it with Marissa Bardock Rommel, who wrote a wonderful book called The Goodbye Diaries. And we got to talking with the audience about items we hold on to because my book, Life's Accessories, which this podcast is based off of, is, a, is about such things. I will never forget this, Rebecca. I don't know if you remember this, but you said at the book event that you, for I don't know how, how long, held on to your mother's chicken in the freezer. Yes. Yes. Like years, like not months. It was years. It was a year's period of time. Yeah. Well, (laughs) so why do you think it is that we hold on to these things and how can we let things go like the chicken versus Mm. the boots versus jewelry? I mean, I had this thing where I held on to all my mother's glasses or eyeglasses and I had them made for me, but they looked ridiculous on me because we had a totally different head. So I finally got rid of them. (laughs) You know what I have in my freezer is, um, peanut butter cookies that my mom was like famous for and they're in my freezer and they're crumbled yeah. like they're totally crumbled but I cannot right cannot I mean like them. is they it were gross? like and she like yeah it's gross like you know it's gross There's freezer but burn everywhere who but cares you know like I don't my, care my mom had come up in I don't know sometime in 2006 a few months before she died and I remember like I'd gone through a breakup with a longtime boyfriend, I was really upset because I had just turned 30 and I was like, you know, you're I'm like, it's all over. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> um, and and she was like, okay, I'm coming up from Philly. I'm taking Amtrak and I'm bringing my baked, I'm bringing baked chicken. And she made really good baked chicken. And to this mm-hmm. day, like I sadly cannot figure out how to make it. It was like baked apricot chicken and like mm-hmm. no recipe. Well, no, there's like no recipe that tastes okay. like it. There um, is though. Right? There never. never is. She had brought it. And so it was, and she died like at the end of that summer. So I still had some leftovers in the freezer. It wasn't like I had let it languish there forever. And I saw it and I saw the Ziploc bag and it said in her writing, it said mom's baked chicken. And I was like, oh my God, like I cannot, this is like sacred material. I can't get rid of this. And I, I, I left it in the freezer. I don't even know how many, I mean, like, honestly, it was multiple years. It got to a point (laughs) where like, I think like the freezer broke and like, And then like my husband who I hadn't known when she died, he was like, no, no, no. Like, you don't understand. We, we need to empty this. Like it it just has to happen. And I was like freaking out. And then I was like, okay. And so I took the Ziploc bag and I snipped out the part that said mom's baked chicken. And I put it on my face. And I'm like, okay, this is a functional, yet not <laughs> that is know, okay. toxic way for me to keep this. And it is interesting, you know, the things we hold on to. Um, it's amazing how just like an innocuous receipt or Ziploc bag totally. can have so much emotional charge. Uh, and, you know, when I was dealing with the estate um, stuff, the legal stuff, I remember this lawyer saying, you know, it really isn't mostly about money. It just like a lot of the charge comes down to like the rocking chair, you yeah. know, like it's yeah, not, totally, you totally. know, and, yeah. and I, I get that. Like, I really get that. Um, hundred percent. 
Yeah. So I, I say to people that, yeah, you can't drown in stuff forever because you can't become like a hoarder and you shouldn't, it's not healthy, but at the same time, like you also shouldn't let anybody put a timeline on, on the stuff. Um, if it is interfering with your day-to-day life, let's say you're like living in a house, like full of things. It's like, oh my God. Or you have to like bring everybody's stuff, get a storage unit. Like, but yeah, like Manhattan mini storage was like my, that was like the hottest club in town for me for years. <laughs> I had all this extra space. That's where and, the cool kids were. I love it. it. And I love if it. you mean my cool yeah. kid, me sitting with like my mom's belongings. Yeah. yeah. And I just, cause I couldn't handle getting rid of it. And it took me a couple years for some stuff. It took me a lot of years for others, sure. a lot. And right. some, I still have some stuff. I still have stuff that I know I need to let go of. And it is what it is. Like there's still stuff in storage that- yeah. Years and years later, I'm like, okay, eventually I'll probably, like, I am probably never going to use this, but I still am not there yet. And you know what? Yeah, it's, it's okay. Is it expensive? Totally. But it, it, you know, it's okay. And one thing that I, that does help me when I do get rid of her things is I do try and give them to people who I really feel will appreciate them. And it's not like I'm doling them out to all her friends because I don't keep in touch with a lot of her friends, you know, um, not she had tons of friends, but like, that's not a sustainable thing for me. Her very best friends. Yes. But like, you know, and I don't have a very big family. So when I do try and get rid of something like my, I remember finding this sweater and I was like, I will never pull this off. And I gave it to my friend Glynis, um, um, and who never met my mom. I was like, I want you to have this because you've got like, you can pull this off. I don't have this confidence, but like, it would make me happy if you weren't. And she's like, oh, oh I great. love this sweater. Great. So like, I try and do yeah. it where I'm like, I know I'll probably never see it again, but I also know that it's going to have like another life yep. and be appreciated. And for me, Smart. that's, that's the nut of it. You know, that's great. So if we can, can we go back to the boots? Sure. I love, I love those boots. So, so do you wear, <laughs> like, do you, do you ever wear them? Like, because you just want to feel closer to your mom or, or do you, do you think about her all the time? Like, you know, there's some things that we put on because we need that extra boost or we need them to be with us more that day, you know, than other days. It's not like I wear them all the time, but, um, I was lucky to be able to go to Europe for my book in the fall. I did Mm -hmm. a big event in London and then the book came out in Italy. So I did something in Milan and I did something in Berlin and that was kind of a big deal. It was crazy. It was absolutely overwhelmingly an amazing thing that for which I am so grateful for the rest of my life. And I wore the boots to the London event because I really wanted her with me. And I wore them like every day. I was like walking around London and most normal humans would wear like sneakers. <laughs> right. And I'm wearing these like Italian boots yeah. that eventually, right. like literally by the end of the trip, ripped, the back yeah. seam totally oh, ripped. Like it ripped off the leather. And I was like, <laughs> and then I was like, okay, I get it. Like there are people who do this. Like I remember I'm like, right. oh, there are boot doctors. And I had to go and I, it cost me a lot. It cost me like a hundred dollars to fix it. But I'm like, this is, you know, that's like therapy for me. So, right, right. you know, I and wore they're those also gorgeous, by the way. They're, I mean, gorgeous, they're gorgeous. And yeah. like, you know, they're hot looking. And also I feel good in them. Like they give me confidence. I right. love how they look. I love that they're like a cool thing. My mom wore, I know that she would love that I was wearing them. And yeah. also I love that I'm taking them to these places is these adventures 
Like she loved London. She loved Italy, you know, and I love that I'm taking, you know, like, obviously she's not here. I'm not one of those people who are like moms here. I don't believe that. Right. That's not my worldview, but I, do. I believe that the energy <laughs> is here. Yes. Somehow, but that's yes. okay. Yes. Everyone, yes. everyone, no, you, believe yes. believe you believe it as the energy. I believe in the energy. Yes. Energy. I, of yes. course. I believe in yes. energy. Yes. Um, right. I, and whatever, whatever you believe is like, whatever floats your boat, do it, you know, yeah. but I wish I did, but I, I just feel like energy is something that I can't really explain. I don't understand how someone's vibrant energy literally yeah. just vanishes forever. I don't get that. So totally. I'm like, okay, yeah. the energy is out there. Cause I can feel it sometimes, you know, and I don't yeah. care what it is. I don't care if it's just a mood or, you know, an experience that it makes me feel better. So I go with it. And so like just walking around London, like I felt like her energy was with me, you know, and I, it also is a real time machine because just having a piece of her um, belonging with me really made me for things that I might not have ordinarily, like a time we had together when we were traveling, because she was just very present in my mind in a way that she may not have been otherwise. Thank you for sharing your story with us. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you and Modern Loss and where where you want them to go to find more information about you on social media or websites? Sure. Well, Modern Loss is on all the platforms at modernloss.com or at Modern Loss on everything. Facebook, it's like slash Modern Loss, Instagram, Twitter, which I'm not really using a lot these days for obvious reasons, because it's like a cesspool, um, <laughs> even LinkedIn, more on LinkedIn. And then okay. also, of course, there's um, a Substack newsletter, which I really love, uh, modernloss.substack.com. You can sign up for it on the modernloss.com homepage, uh, which is like a really great monthly deep dive with like a well-known figure. And I love it so much. Speaking about accessories, you know, I've had Stacey London on there. So it's just like really awesome. I love it. And um, then of course, there are two books out. Um, There's the first one, which is called Modern Loss, Candid Conversation About Grief, Beginners Welcome. And then my latest book, The Modern Loss Handbook, which is available. Yeah. Like wherever, (laughs) wherever books are sold. Love it. I'll get those books. They're great. They're great. Um, And I would say whether you've experienced a loss yourself, which most people have, or whether you're just sort of curious and want to support people who have experienced loss, it's, there's a lot in there. There Yeah, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, for um, buying something for somebody that might allow them to help themselves. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And then I also don't think there's anything wrong with getting something that might help you understand better what somebody is going through. You know, I think it's a really helpful book. Yeah, I would agree. That's for sure. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us today. We really loved having you on and and thanks for sharing your boots, your perspectives, and um, just really a delight. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, this was a blast. It was a total high point of my day. Yeah. You know what? It was a blast talking about the grief and the boots. We love it. This is our thing. This is our thing. (laughs) Um, So thanks to our listeners for tuning in and we will talk to you all next time. 